Okay, we have to we have to start again with news. We have some news. <laughs> okay, first of all, we're on Spotify. You guys. I know. Um, and also join our Facebook group. <gasps> the I Facebook know. group. I'm obsessed. I'm in it like every day. I'm constantly like posting things, and then you and me are just like making fun of each other. Yeah. What's it called? It's the True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. Find it and join it. Keep sweet and join the Facebook group. <laughs> Come over to the Facebook group. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Just remember to keep swinging. Hi, Jillian Pensamali. Hey, Patrick Hines. Oh my God, what are we talking about today? <laughs> we are doing Long Shot. I'm obsessed with it. Girl, this is like the first time we are like excited in our op- in our little opener here. I know. I don't feel miserable <laughs> about the outcome of this true crime documentary. I, I mean, know. it's horrible that it's technically true crime because yeah. there is a murder and that's the uh, worst. Yeah, that is the worst. Yeah. But everyone has everyone comes out with justice being served. was like any other day but as soon as i opened the door i was completely surrounded like swat style my daughter she looks up and she says dad i told him i'm gonna get you out of here i asked him do you remember where you were i was at the dodgers game i gotta find the holy grail of wine's defense I need to place my client at Dodger Stadium on that night. Juan remembered they may have been filming something there that day. The episode was that I picked up a hooker in the carpool lane and took her to Dodger Stadium. We were in for an enormous fight. The prosecutor they assigned to the case had never lost. She liked to pick off people with the death penalty. I looked at tape after tape. We shot in two sections in Dodger Stadium. There's 56,000 people at this game. How could you possibly be on camera? I wasn't supposed to be at that game, and that would play in my head over and over. I looked for eyewitnesses and the tickets. I could not afford to miss anything. The kids wanted to know when I was coming home, and I didn't have an answer. Okay, so the the best thing to do, I think, here is to start with the murder. Let's just say, let's just talk about the crime and talk about what happened. Okay. So Martha Puebla. Is 16. 16. It's May 12, 2003. Yep. It's like 10, 10, 10, 12 at night. I think it's like 10.30. Is it 10.34, I believe. She comes out of her house to like talk to a friend. And like apparently there had been like a guy circling the block in his car really slowly. Yeah, just total creep like. Whenever you see a car circling slowly, you guys... Go inside. Go inside. Go inside. Whatever. And I guess a man, like, approached her. The person that was driving the car came out of the car and came up to Martha. Martha says, hey, it's Martha. You remember me. And the shooter said something to the effect of, no, you don't. Pulls a gun out of his sweatshirt and then shoots Martha in the head. And he basically, like, takes a gun and, like, shoots her at point-blank range in the head. And kills her. He's a piece of garbage. And so, like, there's one friend present who, like, who, like, saw the whole thing go down, dropped his, like, 1995 (laughs) Carrie Bradshaw cell phone. Having just witnessed an execution-style murder, the main and only eyewitness in this case dropped his cell phone and ran as fast as he could. You know, the other thing, and we'll get to these garbage detectives in, like, just Uh. a second— but, like, they they basically show him, like, a photo lineup where they've circled a face. 
Yeah, and they're like, so it's that guy, right? <laughs> Police talk to the owner of the cell phone. He looks at tons and tons of photos and eventually gives a sketch of what he thinks the person looks like that killed Martha. The composite sketch looks enough like our hero, a guy named Juan, mm -hmm. that the police basically decide that Juan's the guy who did it. Oh, yeah. Tell everybody about our, our, our hero. Now we're in August, and our hero won the day of his arrest. Yeah. So the night before... <laughs> He and his lovely, beautiful <laughs> angel girlfriend, Alma. Alma. She's amazing. But they, uh, they were having some problems. They were having some problems. Juan gives her a call and he's like, can you please come spend the oh, night? It's a, well, it's a booty call because he calls her at midnight. <laughs> I called her up and I asked her that if she could come and sleep over my house. It was maybe midnight. And he asked me, what are you doing? I said, um, trying to go to sleep. Alma's like, night. it's midnight. It's a yeah. protocol. I know exactly what this is. But Juan is persistent, as he says. And I'm like, Juan, I'm on your side. Don't say this. He's like, she didn't want to come over, but I'm persistent. So she did. She didn't want to. But, you know, I'm a very persistent guy. And I'm like, Juan. <laughs> come on, girl. Girl, we're on your side. Don't I know. Don't. Do this. Yeah. So Alma does come over. And the next morning, they're driving to work. I guess Juan works for like a, the family business or whatever. Yeah, and his dad is there super early, and they get there. And the minute he opens the car door, there's like 80 dudes throw uh, him on the ground and arrest him. I was completely surrounded within 30 seconds. They walked up to me, threw me on the floor, like face down on the asphalt. My dad opens the door, and I remember he poked his head out, out the door. Now, can we talk about sweet little baby Juan, who Juan. has my dream body. He weighs like 125 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> my dream body. Yeah, did not need 80 men. No, sweet little baby face. No. Do you want to guess, did they read him as rights? Probably not. Probably not. Going to go with no on that one. It's heartbreaking, too, because like his dad, he's like describing his dad, like looking out like the shop door. And, he and you know, I, we know, like we know Juan didn't do it. And Juan knows he didn't do it. Right. Can you imagine the absolute blind terror of being like, what the hell what is happening? What the hell? Seven o'clock in the morning. Oh my god! And then Juan can't even present day. Juan can't even get out the words where he's trying to talk to his dad, say, "Dad, look!" And he's just, it's, I'm a mess already. I know. I it's know. It's heartbreaking. I know. And I just remember looking at my dad, and he's like, he looked at me, and I go, "Dad, look!" I go, "Dad, look!" look. I said, "Dad." Now we start to see Juan like in the interrogation room. Can I shout these assholes out? Please. Detective Juan Rodriguez <laughs> and Detective Martin Pinner hating you. I'm Detective Rodriguez. I'm part of Detective Pinner. Okay. Uh, what's going on? What I want to know. These two humongous, disgusting people. <laughs> so the whole, and God bless this mess of audio <laughs> because it's a, <laughs> it's a mess. It's only a mess because Juan, because Juan is sitting there like, you have the wrong guy. And they're like, you have the wrong guy. The whole thing is, it's not only an I'm sorry, what off, but it's a I know you are, but what am I off? Where Juan's like, you're making a big mistake. And they're like, you're making a big mistake. And you're like, what does that mean? And then at one point, they start talking about his facial hair. And Juan was like, why would I do that? Uh, and they're like, because so you're trying to look cool. I know. 19 to 25 years old, stocky build, medium mustache. Like hair below his lip. I've never had nothing under my lip. Well, what's under there right now? Well, I haven't shaved. Okay, so that you didn't shave this day either. But why wouldn't I shave my mustache then? I don't know, because you think you're cool. But it, it's also, like, just so heartbreaking because, right. you know, like, this guy is terrible. He's like, don't do this to me. Like, you you know, he's like, you guys are trying, like, you're pinning this on me. It, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal to listen to. Right. But Juan had a cousin. Oh, my God. Juan had a cousin who bragged 
about the fact that he was like a clerk for this like badass badass lawyer. lawyer. Enter Todd <laughs> Melkin. <laughs> You guys, under that sound that you just heard <laughs> was the hard copy theme. Yes. Because Todd was like a regular on hard copy, apparently. And doing like investigative oh reporting about people cheating and not on Todd's Where watch. It's like- Las Vegas, it's a great place to go and have fun. But we went there to uncover some of the sneaks, cheaters, and sore losers. And they were all caught on tape. So we meet Todd and he knows in his bones. Yeah. Juan didn't do this. No. Like, Come on, the guy didn't do it. So this part is a little confusing audio-wise because it's sort of going back and forth between the present-day interviews right. and then also, like, the original court proceedings mm-hmm. and also, like, that that very first night in the interrogation room. So, so much material for a documentary. So it's great, but it's it, for our, for their documentary format, it's great because you can see everything. <laughs> of course, but for yeah, our yeah. format, it's a little more confusing. A little confusing. So basically, Todd asks Juan. I asked him, was the death penalty mentioned? Yes, death penalty was mentioned. So then Todd, like superhero Todd's like, I'm going to get you out of there. (laughs) He does a little like, you know, his eye twinkles. I mean, I just had a gut feeling. There's just no way this kid could have committed a murder. I mean, it just seemed completely out of his character. And so I told him, I'm going to get you out of here. However, Juan is tied to our victim, Martha. Right, exactly. Which is not the best look. Of course does not make him a murderer, right. but there are things that need to be disproven and discussed. So the thing is, Juan's brother, and we learned this early in the documentary, mm-hmm. like, you know, and Juan also has been to jail, you know. like Juan used to be the getaway driver when his brother him. and his friends were, like, knocking off cars and selling them for parts. Totally. Like, <laughs> but he went to, pr- he went to prison How, like, once. L.A., like, in the early 90s I is know. that? Um, he went to prison once, and he's like, I never no want to do that again, yeah. ever. So he woke up, you know, sometimes you get into a bad crowd, whatever. Yeah, totally. Sometimes it happens. So his brother had actually been a part of a murder and the brother the the murder trial was happening and this woman Martha the victim here the one that that died was on the stand because she knew the the people involved my brother had been arrested for a murder and we went to his uh, preliminary hearing one thing I remember very clearly is Martha Puebla was a witness they wanted her to point out the shooter in court but she never said anything. She goes, I didn't see anything. Yeah, she was co- cooperating with the police and telling them what she knew, which was kind nothing. of nothing. Right. Like, she didn't yeah. have any information. Like, nothing she had was valuable. So the motive is There's just... There's no reason for me to have killed her. And I couldn't do that. Like, that's insane. It's just crazy. Yeah. So then, cute Todd lawyer Todd. Yeah. Todd is asking them about, like, where were you that night? Like, where were you on the night of that the murder happened? And Juan, because he's just like a dude, can't remember. But what, Hey, but Patrick, what'd you do yesterday? Literally no idea. Right. Not a clue. So try yeah. three months ago no, when literally you could die if the answer is wrong. Right. Like, it's insane. But who saves the day? Alma. May 12th. I said, that's around Mother's Day. I'm like, you know what? Juan, you were at a Dodger game. Alma's like, <laughs> boys, please, you were at the Dodger game? <laughs> Hi. Let the woman handle it, please. So Todd's like, great. Hey, Juan, do you have the tickets? And he's like, I don't know. And Alma's like, hello. <laughs> I'll scour the house. We turned the apartment upside down. Couldn't find the tickets. I couldn't find the tickets. Till finally I found a Dodger envelope. And all 
Selma finds the envelope with the Dodger tickets. I mean, there's a lot of bad luck here, but there's a lot of good luck here. Juan loves baseball. He loves baseball so much that he tried to trick his mom into thinking that these tickets were a Mother's Day present. Can we take a little bit of a side side trip here? Yeah, I did. (laughs) I got those tickets, you know, trying to pull them off as a uh, Mother's Day gift. The mother was like, no thanks. So he's like, really? (laughs) Crocodile tears takes his daughter, his cousin, and his friend. And the four of them go to the Dodger game. Juan, I hope you at least got your mom one of those like white teddy bears with the with the chocolate box attached to it. You know what he did? Because Alma was probably like, you know, you need to give her a card at least, right? Alma has this shit. Don't worry about it. It's fine. So great. They're at the game. But it's like just because you have tickets in your house doesn't mean you went to this game. There's no way to really prove it. Gosh, if we can just prove you're at the game, get the case thrown out. Easy. Uh, Not so easy. And you see, like, Awesome Todd being like, well, I'm going to watch every, like, he gets a copy of the game somehow. And he's, like, watching every time the right-handed batter is on because he knows where Juan was sitting. Right. But, like, it's, like, you know, TV footage. Like, you can never actually identify anybody in the stand. So when when Todd is unable to, like, locate Juan, he has to, like, go to the Dodgers. The next thing that I did was I contacted Sam Fernandez. Senior Vice President, General Counsel for the Dodgers. Uh, My favorite thing about Sam Fernandez is that he thinks his job title is part of his name. Sam Hernandez, Senior VP, General Counsel for, for the Dodgers. Yeah. Just, just all one word. <laughs> and I also love, too, that, like, you know, he's just got, like, this super laid-back L.A. attitude about everything. He's like, I don't really know what was going through my mind when I received that call. Well, here's another interesting day at the office, if you will. So we find out that there's a thing called Dodger Vision, mm-hmm. which is, like, you know, what you see on the Jumbotron or whatever. Yeah. It's, like, they're closed-circuit in-house, you know, they're filming constantly, whatever. And like, I guess they save these tapes. So Todd is invited to come down to Dodger Stadium and, like, go through these tapes. I painstakingly went through the videos trying to find Juan among 40,000 people. A staggering number, yes. Since I knew where Juan was sitting... It was very easy to see the block of seats and count the rows down. And and then the most like frustrating thing in the history of America happens, <laughs> which is Todd sees him. We all get up and scream out of our seats. I know, there he like, is. Yeah, it's over. We solved it. No, I don't know. I was able to find Juan sitting in those seats, but the resolution wasn't high enough. No, here's the thing, though. Come on. I, I feel like that resolution was high enough. Well, the thing is, he's also with his daughter. If it was just like a random right. person, it's like, right. okay, well, it's him, but it's also with this little six-year-old girl, and yeah. it's like all of his friends. Like, there are four people you can identify. Right. So that doesn't balance, like, cancel and out also, the... also, they talk about how, like, they, you know, they were reaching out to people who were sitting near him. So we tracked down people as far west as Hawaii and as far east as Chicago. Everybody we talked to, you know, I really didn't see them well enough that I would feel comfortable testifying. Who's a corrupt juror when you need him? Just saying. Right. How many jurors are like garbage people just saying shit for the sake of it? We couldn't find one for one. I know. And I, you know, not to get like too crazy about it, but like I do think that this plays into him being brown. Like if you're like, oh, this white guy's on death row and he's saying he didn't do it. Everybody in the stadium be like, I saw that guy. I saw him. Oh, that poor guy. That poor guy. We wouldn't want anything terrible to happen to him. No, he's such a good father. Right. Not a good son. He didn't buy his mom a real present. (laughs) But Alma did, so whatever. <laughs> Alma signed his name. Alma took care of it. So he, as kind of like a Hail Mary, he says to Todd, the lawyer, I feel like they were filming something there. I asked Juan some details about the game. Juan has a fantastic ability to recall games, plays, details. 
says, I think they may have been filming something there that day. Been to hundreds of Dodger games and never have I seen them film anything there. And you know, this particular day they were there. Right, and Todd's like, oh shit, okay, like more footage for me to go through. And yeah. someone would be like, more footage, but Todd's <laughs> like, hooray. So then Todd goes, marches right into media relations and he's like hey here's the story my yeah. guy's on death row or is facing the death penalty he not says, on death row but like yeah. potentially facing the death right. penalty yeah because he hasn't been there's no like true trial yet yeah whatever. and they're going through the calendar and todd's like every page is blank yeah the person that was there pulled out this big calendar book watched her start flipping april may and like all these pages are blank she turns to may 12th and damn if there isn't an entry on, on May 12th. So Todd's like, oh, there's this production company. I don't know. I've never heard of the name of it. Right. But there's a phone number. Yeah. So Todd calls the phone number. <laughs> and who answers? Uh, Ms. Tim Gibbons. From where? <laughs> HBO. I get a cold call from a guy. That's, uh, this is Todd Melnick. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. And he tells me this crazy story. My first thought is, this guy's nuts. And secondly, there's 56,000 people at this game. How could this guy possibly be on camera? Okay, listen. I don't remember exactly what Tim Gibbons was wearing. But, like, Tim Gibbons is definitely who I imagine I'm going to be in 10 years. What kind of a flashy dresser, that Tim. <laughs> well, maybe I would have to I would have to actually develop that in the next 10 years, so that's pretty true. <laughs> but he's just this sort of, like, pudgy, like, sort of stylish guy with a kind of I – am, I don't remember, but I feel like he has, like, a handlebar mustache. And he's got, like, flashy glasses – but he also has no time for your shit. Right. Imagine being a producer at HBO. <laughs> for Larry da- for Larry David. I cannot imagine anything more stressful in the world. Right. Than being a producer for derpy, derpy Larry David. <laughs> Such a derp. So he's like, cool. And then he's like, Janine, who let this <laughs> asshole through? I got another weirdo call. I have Larry David to deal with. How many nutcases do I have to deal today? This guy, whatever. And he's like, absolutely not. So when, when they finally explain that like a man's life could potentially hang in the balance, he's like, yeah, but you got to wait for it to come out. Yeah, he's episode. like, we don't release pre-production Unfortunately, tapes. You can watch it on HBO on Sunday nights at nine. And Todd's like, excuse me. He says, well, we don't usually release any pre-production footage. You'll have to wait until... It airs. I said, I need to find anything. I need to place my client at Dodger Stadium on that night. Well, the best part, too, is that he he goes to Larry David, and he's like, oh, by the way, Larry, this guy called. Yeah, and Larry's like, give him all the tapes. Like, Larry is not... Of course he did, because you know how much work that mean, that makes for Larry David? Zero. None. Zip. <laughs> well, here's the thing also about Larry David. Curb, so he, Curb Your Enthusiasm is the show on HBO, but right. La- and that Todd didn't know about. Todd right. was like, had no idea that Curb Your Enthusiasm existed. Nobody knew. Uh, in this entire... People who were working on the show <laughs> didn't a, know what it was. Not a single person knows what <laughs> Curb Your Enthusiasm is. And Todd didn't know that Larry David created Seinfeld. Right, right. At the time, the name Larry David didn't ring a bell to me. I had no idea that he was this mega huge Hollywood star. And then it cuts to Larry David and he's like picking his ear and he's like, what's the name of that song? And he's, of course, whistling. It's the most Larry David introduction to Larry David. What's that song? What is that song? Ever. Larry David was like, oh yeah, that guy's right to call me a megastar. He's right, of course, in referring to me as a mega huge star. That's totally accurate about. Yeah, yeah and if, he's, he's trying to kidding. be like, yeah, right. of course, but like, of course. It's just like, 
Larry, this isn't a comedy. Like, I don't know what project they told you that we were doing today. Right. But we're talking about the time that guy was on death row for no reason. Right. Which, yeah. So, privilege, privilege, Larry David. Oh, my God. Let's, um, let's Todd look through the footage. Great. Yeah. So he said, okay, when can you come down? I said, how about tomorrow? He says, okay, tomorrow. Let, let's take a quick break and talk about two things. What the episode was that they were filming mm-hmm. and what logistically they were doing filming it at the, how they had to film it. Right. So first of all, what is the episode? The episode is cue the curb music. <laughs> it's called the carpool lane. And what happens is that Larry has tickets to a Dodgers game and his friend can't go. So he's stuck in traffic. It's just him in the car. And in order to get into the carpool lane, he picks up a sex worker. (laughs) The episode was that I picked up a hooker in the carpool lane and took her to Dodger Stadium. Hey, Daddy. You want a date with Mama? Oh, my God. That was, her name in real life apparently is Kim Whitley. She's in the documentary. She I am obsessed with is her. just there to do an impression of herself in the show. Yeah. And God bless her for it. Monina, I got a red snapper that'll talk to you, daddy. <laughs> okay, so we're back. So he picks up a hooker. Sorry, sec, hashtag sex worker. In the, in the carpool lane. Well, it is very funny to hear Larry David be like, oh, yeah, I know that episode. I picked up a hooker and took her to a Dodger game. It's just everything is just it's so like He's trying Larry. to remember if it's like the hooker that he murdered in real life last night or if it's the, like, oh. who, like, which hooker are we talking about now? Oh, right, right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they get to the Dodger game. And so tell, tell them like what happens in the rest of the episode. And then we'll talk about the filming of it. Right. Okay. So there's someone else at the Dodger game, um, Marty Funkhauser, for those who watch Curb. And he has great seats. He has much better tickets than Larry David. I had to be in bad seats. And then see Bob Einstein. He played Marty Funkhauser on the show. Hey, Larry, I see you got a ticket. Yeah, the seats really stink, though. Can I join you? Yeah. Why not? And the thing about Funkhauser is that his dad had just passed away, and he and his dad would always go to the Dodger game. So Larry sees him, and he's like, wait, there's no one sitting next to him. He goes down to Funkhauser's section, the good section, and says, well, why can't I sit in that empty seat? And he's like, I'm sorry, it's I'm reserving it for my father. So basically, Larry David has to walk down a section of Dodger Stadium, crouch down next to Marty Funkhauser, and have this little exchange, and then walk back up and go back to his bad seats. Yes. So that's what happens in the episode. Now, right. in the filming of the episode, poor producer, Ms. Tim, Tim Gibbons, like explains this whole thing about how there was like a lot of constraints around the filming of this scene because they were doing it during a real game. Right. So they, instead of like renting Dodger Stadium and paying all these extras and doing all that, they just did a real game, like right. obviously. And Kim Whitley, my new favorite actress, right. talks about how like she never even saw the cameras. Right. Because the whole point was to not be disruptive. I never saw the cameras at the Dodger game. I don't know if people even knew people were filming. We had a very, very long lens. The whole thing was we needed to be almost invisible. The thing to understand here is how big Dodger Stadium is and how they were shooting in one location and it was random. They could have been it could have they could have been assigned to any section mm-hmm. and they were assigned to this section. Right. That is so important because for Juan to say I think they were filming something is a big effing deal. And the only reason Juan even knew because he didn't know who Larry David was. So it wasn't like no. oh there's a famous person right. here. He, he there are two things that happened. There's like the the clip guys that are there, you uh-huh. know the, the, the clapper. The, the slate. Yeah, the slate. Right. So he maybe would have seen that. But then there was also the very adorable production assistant who also had never heard of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Robert. Yeah. He worked on it. He was like, I don't know what this thing is. He's like, have you seen my face? I don't know what anything is. Yeah. I had never seen the show. I'd never heard of the show. I didn't have HBO, so I didn't have any exposure to the show. I was a runner. I was a PA. 
you know, go deliver this here, go pick this up, bring it back to the office sort of thing. So I had no clue what I was getting into. So his job at Dodger Stadium was to block people if they needed to stay out of the scene. And his whole thing is like, you can't really do that for paying customers in these really good seats. I just remember it being chaos, to be honest with you. You've got two or three people trying to hold back thousands of people. These are paying customers. We can't hold them for too long of a duration. Basically, the this the playing space that they need. Playing space is the area where the actors do their work. You guys, oh, thank you. Um, is the the aisle. So the, this right. PA needed to keep the aisle clear. Like so, Juan's daughter, who's six and who's now been to this baseball game since 1992. Right. Like this game went on forever and ever and I ever. Know. She wants candy or ice cream or whatever. So Juan has gotten up to go get ice cream or candy with his daughter with his daughter right now in the while he's gone they're filming the scene larry david is running up and down this aisle right juan comes back hot pa robert robert he doesn't have a name he's just hot <laughs> jillian those eyes yeah <laughs> you love those eyes so he what does he do he stops Juan for like 30 seconds yeah when i got back there was a camera crew right on our aisle i grabbed my daughter's hand and i try to walk down the stairs but I will stop. And Robert even says in the documentary, he was like, well, eventually I just looked at him. as a guy with his kid. I just let him go. He goes, I probably didn't even know we were filming. Yeah. I probably didn't even know that we were rolling camera. And if I did, I was probably a shitty PA and let them through anyway. So this is the other reason Juan knew that they were filming. Because he had been stopped and been like, can you just not go for one second because we're filming something? So you guys, here, here's the thing. Robert, like Robert created a miracle. A miracle a he miracle. saved I'm a man's get, life. I'm going to get, I'm going to get worked up and cry. Yeah. And again, I want to say too that like we try to make these ep- episodes so you don't have to listen or watch the documentary. Right. You can just like listen to the episodes. Less watch this because this one minute, that w- this one moment that we're about to tell you about is so miraculous. It's one of the purest things I've ever oh seen my in God. my life. Oh my God. Okay, take us through it. Okay, so Rob is bad at his job. Thank God. Right. Let's Juan and his little girl through and suddenly, and it like surprises us too, you see Juan and his daughter clear as day. day. You see his face because he's profile and he's letting his daughter go in first. Yeah. And like you just see a man, like it just happens so fast and you see a man and you're like, oh my God, he's holding a hand. Oh my God, it's him. And you're just screaming and you're just like, you can't. I mean, I was watching it again this morning and I was like sobbing watching it. And what they do is, which is just brilliant. They play this footage for Robert for the first time. Right. So Robert has never seen this. And his face. Oh, God, I'm going to sob. Is the purest thing because he he at first like isn't sure what he's looking at. And then he goes. Is that them right there? And you see like the tears in his eyes and he does this chuckle and this little smile. And he realizes what he did did. and why he's a part of this. Why he was born. Wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like the, the the other thing too is in the background, like Larry David is still acting. He's still He's doing still the scene. He's still crouched down. So like it, it is, and, and Juan has no idea. No so idea. Juan and his daughter are getting back into their seat and it looks like they were extras hired to do this thing. A hundred It's like these two human beings on the planet sharing this moment yeah. that neither one of them knows is going to be significant. And it's Larry David and Juan and his daughter. Those are the only faces you see clearly. Yeah, it's, it's, that's exactly right. That's <laughs> exactly. Insane. And you're screaming. You're like throwing everything you have in the house at the Screaming. Yeah. And then Larry walks up the the aisle to sort of just wave to the crowd and say, thank you for, for letting me Meanwhile, interrupt everybody's it. everybody's like, who the hell are you? Get out of here. No one knows who yeah, Larry David is. Totally. He can buy them over a zillion times. He can buy Dodger Stadium 15 times. And they're like, who? 
Um, and so, but they are so close to each other in the aisle that like they almost like rub elbows really. Like while Juan is letting his daughter sit down and get situated with her candy or whatever. It is the most important moment in Juan's life ever. And Larry David is like just walking past. It's, it's just it's the most cr- it's magnificent insane. moment. You can't believe it. It is why documentaries were made. You guys go watch it right now. Watch it right now. It's it's so beautiful. And then, but it's like, it's also so frustrating because he's on the tape, right? And then Robert sees it for the first time. Privilege, privilege. Larry David is like, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And then uh, Juan. Larry David rivals your Warren Jeffs, by the way. It's pretty good. (laughs) Is it? Oh, God. Um, And then, so then Juan, then you get Juan's reaction. I said, Todd, what happened? And he said, dude, you're on the tape. And I was just like, I think I let the phone go. I think I let the phone go. Everyone is like, awesome. We did it. Yeah. No. No. Why? Thanks to who? Beth Silverman, a.k.a. this bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that Juan Catalan has any kind of a legitimate alibi at all? No. Beth Silverman (laughs) is known as Sniper. Her nickname was Sniper because she likes to pick off people with the death penalty. You guys, she's the prosecutor. She's the one that wants Juan to die for nothing. Right. She's never lost a case, and she always, always picks the death penalty. She, that's, penalty. She's a monster. monster. Here's the thing about the death penalty. You have to be 100% right 100% of the time. Even if you right. think someone deserves to die for what they did, yeah. whatever, that means that other innocent people will die. It's right. the law of averages. There's no way. Yeah. So yeah. for her to always go to the death penalty, I'm like, that says a lot about you, you bitch. <laughs> Not a fan of that. No. Do you ha- you have to go for the death no. penalty every time? You know that she like lives in the castle with the wicked witch from Cinderella. She sucks. She's the worst. And then you know you see it's like everything is so clear. It's so obvious. Like he was at the game. He so didn't do anything. What happens is that they they realize that they, he's on the camera. But what happens is they ask like the producer, Miss Tim, when like when was this film shot? And and he points to the timestamp on the thing. We shoot. With time code, which is time of day, a stamp that's put on the videotape that you can't see, it's electronic. So we knew exactly what time he was being shot at. The first scene was at 8.55, the last scene was at 9.15. I looked at this video as being the holy grail of Juan's defense, except the murder took place at like 10.32. Crap. The point there is that one could have had the time to, like, run the hell out of Dodger Stadium and go commit this murder. Then you even have, like, his daughter. His daughter testifies. I know. I know. And it's absolutely heartbreaking because Juan is just a mess, as you, as anyone would be crying. And, and Todd is so sweet to her on the stand. Did I explain to you that we have to tell the truth in court? Do you remember that? Yeah. If I told you that this pen was blue, would that be the truth or a lie? A lie. You're going to promise to tell us the truth from what you remember? Yeah. Did you go to a Dodger game with your daddy this year, last year? Yeah. And the thing is, like, she corroborates everything. She does great. I know. And I just want to, like, take a quick side note here and say that, like, you know that Juan has not been able to hold his daughter in months and months and months. And how, like, his daughter is right there Mm -hmm. and and he can't go hug his... As a dad, I can't... I I, I can't imagine it. Um, But, you know, Beth is just kind of like... She she will also say... At 10.43 at night, our defendant, by his own evidence, his own witnesses, is on the same street as our victim dropping off his cousin, Miguel Catalan, about 100 to 150 yards away from the murder scene at the time of the murder. 
So the HBO tape, in your opinion, is good only for what? Nothing. And it's just shitty bad luck because he, he Juan's really... cousin lives on the same block as this girl that just got killed. Right. And Juan was dropping. He, you know, he had come to Juan with Juan to the game. Right. Juan's dropping him off at ten forty three. The murder happened ten minutes earlier. It's not the same time, Beth. You dumb idiot. Yeah, but she's saying that they killed her in the car, and they, that's the car they were circling. And then they and drove. then like just were like, oh, let me go drop you off at home now. Yeah, that's that's a, a one zillion percent what she's arguing. Yeah. She's well, she's an idiot. asshole. I hate yeah. Her. Who is brought in to save the day? Alma. Okay. Alma <laughs> is like, I can't believe we're still doing this shit, honestly. <laughs> Todd realizes, which he just slyly drops in uh, when he was commenting on the OJ chase. <laughs> right. We get it. You were around for a lot of stuff, Todd. <laughs> so he remembers that the reason they could find OJ was the cell phone towers. Right. I knew from being involved as a commentator on the OJ Simpson case when he was doing his slow speed chase that the police were able to find out which cell towers were pinging off of a cell phone when a call was transmitted. That's how they found him. Because what he has to do now is prove that 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 Juan and his family were at Dodger Stadium later than the timestamp on the Curb Your Enthusiasm tape. Right. So the thing about this game is that it was tied at the bottom of the ninth. And that's another thing, like, put it in the good luck column. Yeah. That the game went over. And, so, and it went way over. Juan at one point was like, we're going nowhere. Yeah. Which is like the, my worst nightmare to hear at a sporting event. I can't even know. Are like, you kidding wait, me? Wait, I thought there were only nine innings. What are you doing? <laughs> But but it is. Well, I've been at, at those games where they, where they go late. There is something the energy of yeah. it, and you're like, this could go either way. It can be whatever. Yeah. But Alma is like, you're out with the six year old, right? So <laughs> Alma's calling and texting, and like every two minutes, like I'd be doing. Is right. it done yet? Is it done yet? Is and it done because yet? one, is it done yet? let's be honest, probably wasn't like, hey, just want to let you know. Let's. <laughs> right. Men sometimes have trouble with the with. <laughs> the information. So Alma. Not me. I've been known to be an over communicator. Well, I said men. <laughs> Girl. Touche. <laughs> so Alma is like, hi. I know. I run everything in your life. Can you at least give me a courtesy call? Right. I kept calling Juan and calling Juan and I'm like, is the game over? Even so, on the stand when she's talking about it, she's like, yep. Yeah. She's just like annoyed to be reliving it. She's like, yeah, I called again. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Then I called again. Yeah. No, that one's me. Yeah. No, then, then, she, then she calls from the friend's phone. And then at one point she's like, I don't remember if he called me or I called him, but I called him. Now there's a call at 10, 11 in the evening. For 49 seconds, an inbound call. Whose phone number is that? My friend, Glenda Reyes. And did you call Juan from her phone? Yes, I did. So then, and they have these awesome people from the phone company. Oh, my God. Who uh, are just, Tasha Boggs. Tasha, who's just like, I'm going above and beyond. This I is wanna, a I want to just take a quick second and give a shout out to these fucking people who have these jobs that are awful and hard and thankless. And Tasha Boggs is like, I'm going to go. She just as easily could have been like, no, I don't, I don't, I can't find it. And Sorry. pass it off to somebody else yep. or put them on hold for 80 minutes. Totally. Like and she's like, people. no, this guy's on potentially going to be on death row. Absolutely not. We're going to make this happen for you, sir. It was one of those situations where it had to go above and beyond because we had the ability to see what cell tower the actual phone calls are pinging off of it's going to show exactly where a person is at a certain time period tasha we love you tasha. if you're if you're out there i'm sure you're listening please tweet us so th- please so I thanks know. to tasha they can place one at 10 12 at dodger stadium yeah that was the last phone call so it's like how do you get he wouldn't have time there's no there's no way. And you know who has to make... So the decision that needs to be made... I know, I, I love this so much. The decision that needs to be made here is the judge... Judge Ms. Leslie, Leslie Dunn. Dunn. She's, bef- she's befuddled. 
Leslie, Leslie Dunn in just a minute. Okay. But the decision that she needs to make is, am I going to pass this on to a jury trial? Right. Or am I going to like say, there's no there there, or, and we're going to let this right. go? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to say. <laughs> Can we talk about Leslie Dunn for just one second? Befuddled Leslie Dunn? Absolutely. <laughs> Rather than giving me a diagram of whose phone number was whose, I was listening to numbers, trying to record numbers and times, and I was really befuddled. So you see her, like, she gives, like, Kate McKinnon-level face when she's, like, listening to this trial. You just see her contorting her face. She's just like... She is calling bullshit on so many things (laughs) in her head. She's like... Beth. You guys can see Jillian's face right now. She's I like, know. She's like, Beth, but you're cut, full of shit right now, Beth. It cuts to modern day Leslie. She is done. Her hair is done. Her pancake makeup is done. I mean, mm-hmm. this woman is tan for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And she's telling this story about how, oh my God, my favorite part of this whole thing was when she said that she, to save time, said that she would take the interrogation tapes home so right. she could listen to them as much as she wanted to. Well, not just her. <laughs> her children? I listened to that tape over and over and over again. I made my children listen to it. And I kept asking them, as I was really asking myself, is this the voice of a guilty man? She's literally like, I was listening to it. My kids were listening to it. I was like, did you take it to the grocery store and have the clerk listen to it? Should we put this guy to death or no? What do you think? Yeah, she's like, the question I had to ask myself and also my children. (laughs) Like, you're letting you, she's like asking her kids if this is the voice of a guilty man. Now, there's a lot wrong with that question, mm-hmm. Leslie Dunn. Is mm-hmm. that the voice of a guilty I man? I know, but it's like it's one of those things where people have been put to death because they looked I know. like a guilty person. They sounded. I mean, that's what that's a human thing. I know. I think poor Judge Leslie Dunn is is trying to say that like. You know, she wasn't taking this lightly. I think what she's saying is that she knew that if she passed it on to her jury trial, she was probably leaning towards he didn't do this. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be much less, it's going to be much harder for them to convince 12 people than it is to convince me. Right. And she is, she says this case stuck with her. It kept her up at night. She knew the pressure that was on her. I mean, the man's life was, was really in her hands. Right. Totally. I think, I wonder if she knew that, you know, to see Juan who had some gang history history in the past or whatever like how well he would fare with a jury right like she sort of knew all the factors in in this and so she the the big day is here uh and they they each give their closing arguments which i love the closing arguments cute adorable hard copy todd gives his like by the grace of god this man would be facing the death penalty if he hadn't by the grace of god gotten doctor tickets from someone the day before and invited these people got caught on video from, a, from that HBO show. He went to this baseball game. Uh, and then dummy idiot Beth Silverman is like, oh, we got it, Judge. We don't have a very strong case. Well, here's the, here's some amazing shade thrown by <laughs> Leslie Dunn right now. So Beth is like, we have a super credible witness. It is uh, clearly a one witness ID case. However, the one witness in this case is extremely credible. Uh, has no motive to lie and made a composite drawing with a composite artist that is strikingly similar to the defendant's appearance. So I'm like, that super credible witness who threw his phone down and ran. <laughs> like, ah, 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 like how I would run. Right. I don't know how credible that person right. is. And it's like, they have no motive to lie, blah, blah, blah. And then it's cut to Leslie Dunn where it's like, I'm sure your witness attempted to be credible. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yes. Yes, Leslie That's Dunn. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any doubt that eyewitness 
um, attempted to be credible. But he observed this murder on a darkened residential street under obviously the most traumatic of circumstances. And then at one point, Juan describes how, you know, hard copy Todd leans over to him and is like, He leans over and then he says, It's over. And I said, What? Right, because Leslie was going on <laughs> and on. And Leslie on. was had her moment and she was going to take it. She started and talking and talking. And talking. And I didn't understand one word she said. And it's like, okay, I mean, there are, there are things to be said, but if you're one and you're like, is this, am I, what direction is this going? This, it's, a, it's an eternity that you're, so you're just like, just get to it. Am, am I, I going home and seeing my family and my daughter? Yes or no? Leslie Dunn. I know, I know, I know. But she, um, she did it right. I know. And then so in the end, he gets to go home and he like, goes to the parking lot and his family is out there and his little daughter. daughter. Give your daddy a hug, mama. I know. He's like, and then my favorite moment is when you see him hugging Todd. And he like lifts him up. Oh. You owe him your life. And Todd's slightly uncomfortable by that. It's like, whoa. And, and Juan's like, and then he like rode off into the sunset. Like he should have. I started crying again. I know. Todd gave me one last hug and just uh, <laughs> seemed like he just rode off into the sunset like a. Uh, <laughs> as he should and uh you know left me there with my family and uh and todd like and he just keeps saying thank you thank you and you you can see todd it's all like muffled obviously because yeah. it's just um but todd's like hey man like this is my job like i like i said i was gonna get yeah. you out of here and i worked my ass off and i did it and like go live your life now this is I over know. forget all like just move on from it so then he gets in the car and the family's like we're gonna get you whatever you want what do you want what do you want and i was like all i want all I want, honestly, is a Coke. I didn't have, you have no soda, no nothing in there, dude. All I wanted was a Coke. That's all. I mean, the sobbing. Just, I know. I just, I really can't. My uh, favorite two things are in the end. So, you know, Larry David is just so white in this oh. that every time you see him, he gets whiter. And look, by the end, I had to wear sunglasses to look at him. And in the end, he's like, yeah, uh, sometimes I pull this story out at a cocktail party about that time I saved a guy's life. Maybe... I don't know. Every few years, somebody will bring it up or something, and I'll tell the story. Maybe I'll tell it at a party, how I uh, got a guy off from murder, you know, um, impress a date with it. I, I don't know. But now, also, like, as if it can't get any better, right? We like, see these two pieces of shit. So we we go back to a lot of pieces of shit yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In, in the end of this, right? Yeah. So Juan is home, safe and sound. It's all good. Then we learn that detectives Rodriguez and Penner, <laughs> they're now being investigated. Yeah. So we have like their interrogation tapes. Oh my God. And you have never seen two humans who look worse on film. The it worst. is like a, an upward angle. It's not a great <laughs> angle for anyone, but it's like, just give them the worst angle. They don't deserve any benefit of any doubt. They are the yeah, it's worst. True. It's true. But they also, it's like, did you or did you not lie to Juan? And they're like, yep. We did. Do you know what incriminating evidence is? All right. Were you asking Mr. Catalan questions to try to uh, obtain an incriminating response? Yes. They can't even do it right. They can't even keep the lie up. They're so useless. I know. And then we see the title cards in the end. They're like, one of them, wait, what happens to them? So first of all, Juan gets a $320,000 settlement from yeah. LAPD and LA. Yeah. 
for these I bet hard copy Todd got a piece of that. I hope so. Yeah. And then, so Pinner was fired. Bye. Bye. And Rodriguez was sent to auto fraud detail like they did. <laughs> Can you to, imagine a worse job in the world? <laughs> it's like in The Wire where Lester Freeman like got a little uppity and they shoved him in the pawn shop unit for 13 years and four months. But like Lester was not a piece of garbage. Um, but this guy, it's like he just is doing paperwork for the rest of his <laughs> For like auto. Oh, life. my God. What, you know who else I love? Who? Deborah Wong Yang, U.S. <laughs> State's Attorney. Uh, we're going to begin the press conference with the United States Attorney, Deborah Wong Yang. And very Alma-like. She's like, oh, hey, dummies. <laughs> I got this. She finds the pieces of garbage who murdered Martha yeah. Pueblo. There's four of them that were related to the murder. They all are in prison without chance of parole. Yeah. So Martha got justice. Juan sitting pretty on that 300 grand. Yeah. Larry David's Larry David. <laughs> Robert realized that he changed a life. Yeah. And had that beautiful moment. Todd is like a freaking celebrity as far as I'm concerned. And um, Oh, yeah. What happened to Beth? She lost her first case. <laughs> I just like <laughs> grinned. You guys couldn't see it. So I had to make a noise. Um, oh, girl. I feel like we just have to jump right back into like horrible, sad documentary land. Well, since this is arguably... with I'm not, not being insensitive. Like... The only true crime doc with a happy ending. Yeah, totally. Where there's justice served all across the board. Let's do the total opposite. <laughs> all right. So, you guys, next time, mm. we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Are we? Dear Zachary. Well, now we have to because I, I said it. It's it's brutal. It's brutal. And again, we're going to give the anti-Anne caveat that it might not be funny. Yeah. But we're going to do it because you guys have asked for it. I cannot believe how many emails and tweets and comments we get about, about Dear, Dear Zachary. Zachary. Uh, where can they find you? At Jillian with a G. All spelled out that way. Um, on the I'm, Twitter and the Instagram. I'm at Patrick Hines on Twitter, at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram. There's another Patrick Hines? <laughs> there is, oh, there is. There's a oh. couple of them, yeah. Um, and you guys, uh, oh, don't forget to join our Facebook group. Yes. True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. Is that what yep, it is? that's it. Um, and you guys keep the iTunes reviews coming. We're almost at 400. I can't believe I it. I know, I know, I know. It's I insane, love it's them. insane. All right, so here is the trailer for Dear Zachary, and then stay mm. tuned for what I can only imagine are going to be amazing things. <laughs> On the afternoon of November 7th, 2001, my sister called to tell me that Dr. Andrew Bagby, my closest friend since the age of seven, had been killed. My name's Kurt, and I'm a filmmaker. Andrew appeared in every movie I made growing up. Jesus Christ. Kurt, what do you want? I mean, no, no, I just need... I'm, I'm just... I decided to make a movie to travel far and wide to interview everyone who ever knew and loved Andrew. Kurt, I just got a call from Mrs. Bagby. The abbreviated version is that bitch, uh held a press conference and announced she's four months pregnant with Andrew's baby. They can't prove it until the child's born. If it is true, the Bagbees are going to sue for custody. She named the little boy Zachary. To seek custody of the only grandson they would ever have, Andrew's parents moved to St. John's, Newfoundland, where Shirley Turner was unbelievably allowed to walk free on bail while awaiting extradition. In order to see Zachary, Kate and David were forced to stomach a civil relationship with the woman they knew murdered their only son. I now had a mission. My movie might be one of the only ways Zachary could see and get to know his father. So I pointed the van east toward Newfoundland and set off on a quest to bring a man back to life. Keep sweet and run the Facebook 
Come over to the Facebook group. It's a lot of fun. Just remember to keep sweet. That's the first rule of the Facebook group. We got to work on the whistle. Like the, the thing, yeah. Keep sweet. Keep sweet. Keep sweet. Nine. And Todd's like, excuse me. I, I did hard copy. Right. Who do, you, who do you think you're talking to? Right, and and try explaining that to a six-year-old why her father's right there and she can't. Oh, you know him. who would not be standing for that shit? Hmm. Daisy would be like, not. She would not stand for that. No, she'd be like, excuse me. <laughs> Have you seen this head of hair? Yeah. I'm gonna put this up in a top knot and go hug my damn daddy. She'd probably call me other daddy, as she is wont to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, sometimes I pull this story out at a cocktail party about that time I saved a guy's life, which is you know. <laughs> Impress a date. Yeah. <laughs> privilege, privilege, Larry David. Did you like my Larry David impression? I love it. <laughs> uh, sometimes I... <laughs> a dur, 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 dur. That's your Larry David impression. Larry David, who also does not look dissimilar to a Simpson. I'm just saying. And I also love, again, that Todd was like, he was on the footage of that that uh, that HBO show. I'm like, you st- <laughs> it saved your client's life and you still don't know what Curb Your Enthusiasm is. Like, you think at this point he didn't, like, given it a watch. Yeah. And just, yeah. you know, it should be your favorite show. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, that 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 thing on HBO, and I'm like, Todd. I know. We have to start again with news. We have some news. <laughs> Should I put on my newsy cap? <laughs> Arise and seize the day. <laughs> neighbor to neighbor, father to son. What for all and all for what? Outtakes. Dance break. (laughs) Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Can we tell the people about Ollie real quick? I know you love it. Well, yeah. So my pup Pete is on a diet. Poor thing. I know, but not not really because he has Ollie now. You guys, we got a lot to tell you about Ollie. Let's go. Ollie puts dogs first with vet formulated recipes and fully transparent ingredients to give your dog the healthiest food possible. Right. So that means they make fresh meals for dogs with real ingredients that you guys, we can eat the ingredients. Oh my God. Yeah. And then they deliver it to your door on a regular schedule. They beat out store-bought dog food 10 to 1 on the palatability scale. Pete doesn't know he's on a diet. Right now. <laughs> and so these vet formulated recipes, they're made with all natural ingredients, no preservatives, and they're sourced from U.S. family farms. You guys go to myolly.com, answer a few questions about your dog, and they'll customize recipe to your dog and ship pre-portioned meals so your pup gets the perfect portion every time. I know they address it to Pete. It's the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> Do they really? Yes. <laughs> you guys, they've delivered 5 million meals and counting. Shipping is free. And if your dog doesn't love the meals, they have a money back guarantee. Right. So Ollie is offering our listeners 60% off your first box plus a free bag of treats at myolly.com slash try slash TCO. This is the best deal they have available anywhere, you guys. Go to myolly.com slash try slash TCO for 60% off plus a free bag of treats. Right. And that's spelled my O L L I E dot com slash try slash TCO. Go! Go! We love you. Love you, dogs. Bye. <laughs>